Hello everyone and welcome to Autism Stories. I'm your host Doug Bletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. Autistic people are the true experts of the autistic experience and Autism Stories is where we interview autistic people and others in the autistic community to learn from their stories, experiences, and get their advice. If you'd like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We'd also appreciate it if you could give us a positive rating and review as it will help others to learn about Autism Stories. I think we can at least mostly agree that communication needs of autistics are different than those of non-autistics. However, in many situations, Autistics are blamed for not communicating like uh, non-autistics. It really is illogical, and we need to get to a point where we just don't understand these differences, but everyone um, that's involved in these situations are actually applying strategies to make things better for all people's communication needs. That's why I'm looking forward to talking with Sam Warner about the work she does in supporting autistics in communicating at work and other aspects of their lives to get the things that they need. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Sam, thanks so much for joining us today. Hi. <laughs> well, well, we recently had a great conversation on the uh, Clubhouse app, and hopefully we'll have another fantastic uh, conversation today. Uh, I wanted to know, just starting out, um, as a fellow Clubhouse user, I'm wondering, how do you see that in terms of a tool to support autistic folks in connecting and communicating with others? Well, do you know, I think it's... It's brilliant and it's awful. <laughs> Agree with both, yes. Yeah, so certainly let's address the brilliant stuff first, the good stuff. Always go to the good stuff first. And the fact that people can communicate without having to be on screen, for a lot of people that's been a barrier to communication because the expectation is that they have to be, you know, camera on fully 100% present um, and certainly in terms of uh, neurotypical rules of society present means eyeballing you at all times front face forward never looking down um, and that's just so exhausting it's untrue and there are a lot of neurotypical people out there who are finding it exhausting it's not just the neurodiverse community so that's a really big tick for clubhouse because it's just taking that pain away, <laughs> and I love that. Uh, so, and I appreciate it's a work in progress. So, in terms of accessibility, they are already working on a whole tranche of updates that will make the app more accessible. So, I applaud them for that. And uh, certainly, <laughs> moving to the less. <laughs> positive side of things for Clubhouse if you have a shred of an addictive personality if you are at all obsessive about anything at all <laughs> you may find yourself sucked into a Clubhouse 
rabbit hole. <laughs> Be, I've, I've seen people that were on there like all night. I'd go to sleep at, you know, I'd get off at like 8, 9 p.m. Um, local time for me. And then the next morning I'd get on there at, you know, 8, 9 a.m. And I'd see the same people out there. <laughs> Yeah, I think some people must just leave their devices plugged into the wall socket and just stay on all night, whether they're awake or not. I've been in rooms because it's, you know, global. Quite often it's someone else's nighttime whilst it's my daytime or vice versa. I've watched on my screen moderators calling up someone. So say I was going, so what do you think, Doug? Hello, Doug. <laughs> Doug, I think Doug's going to sleep. <laughs> Now, a question I always ask uh, people that are coming on to Autism Stories the first time is, where does your story in the autism community begin? For sure, it really only began when I was 35 in terms of self-awareness and understanding. Prior to that, I was 100% oblivious. My only exposure to anything related to autism was watching a film called Rain Man like everyone else, who's my kind of age. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, really limited. And uh, so to have an aha moment, which was kind of by accident, I was at work, I was working with a load of IT guys, and someone jokingly said, um, how come you always want to work with loads of guys? You seem to just hang around with guys all the time. And I was like, I don't know, maybe I'm a closet guy. I don't know. <laughs> And then someone found an Asperger's test online, and we all did it originally just for a laugh, and I scored the highest. <laughs> so, hmm, hmm, and a lot of those questions really resonated with me, and uh, and that started me off on a sort of research rampage, and uh, yeah, and and everything started to make sense. So I wasn't an alien. Right, okay, so I am a human. Okay, well, that's quite reassuring. <laughs> and, and just understanding that I'm not broken and that I'm very much uh, just a special little girl wired differently, and that's okay, and that I bring different gifts. So that was really cool. Yeah, there were there are things I find tricky, but because I've always found them tricky, and I found coping mechanisms, I I just thought everyone found them tricky and just covered them up better than I did. Because <laughs> I can't get inside other people's heads, you know. So how would I know? How would I know how Doug thinks? I don't know. I'd have to ask you. Right. And uh, I was wasn't very good at that prior to my aha moment, and then of course afterwards I became now you're known as the autistic interpreter and you help adults um, and, and older autistic teens to better communicate with their families friends and co-workers mm -hmm. why has um, helping other people to better communicate so important to you because I had such a tricky time 
both at home and school and work. I, I don't want other people to have to go through that tricky time without some pointers. Because there doesn't seem to be a manual on how to be a human. And that would be kind of handy. But certainly there's not a manual for how to be a human in a given circumstance. That, that, that would be even more handy. So, I, and I knew that there would be people out there who, who are like me, especially females, autistic females. And I, I just wanted to make sure that they had somebody to turn to who understands both sides. Because I spent so long training to be a neurotypical like everyone else. I, it's like learning Japanese, you know, I've learned the language. I sort of understand how they interact, what they mean mostly. Still get it wrong sometimes. <laughs> I, um, and of course, I, I, I understand to a very large part, but not entirely. You know, I'm not big on generalisations, you know, because I hate putting everyone in the same box. But I understand an autistic brain to some extent. And I that ability to give people insight, like neurotypical parents insight for their autistic teenage daughter or something. Um, I, I just found it so rewarding. And there really wasn't much out there in terms of services. So I felt like I'm, I'm filling a, a need and I feel really good about myself doing it. So I guess this is what I'm here to do. I found my purpose. There are so many different um, communication issues that tend to occur for autistic adults and teens, but what are some common ones that um, you found in supporting folks? Well, certainly in terms of uh, getting somebody's attention and asking them to do things. So a lot of mums and dads are frustrated because they're, their child at whatever age won't respond to them immediately because that individual is actually focusing on something else right now. And the person talking to them hasn't warmed them up to, I need to have a conversation with you. They've just started a conversation. So they haven't given that person's brain time to reset from the thing they were focusing on to the, the new thing, which is now a conversation. <laughs> Um, and then the parents get frustrated because the child's not listening or doesn't understand and they have to repeat themselves. And the parents might be stressed out anyway because of, you know, life. So that then you, you just get it, get it gets to a head and people shouting and getting into arguments. And, and often I get to see people right at the very end of their tether. So, you know, I, I try to just give them some different language and different techniques um, like the approaching someone a few times and letting them know that you want to have a chat with them soon and, and just let kind of easing them out of that focused state so that they're ready to communicate with you. So that's, that's probably the biggest one that I help with again and again and again. Yeah, so tasks. Again, parents or work colleagues often want to give multiple tasks at the same time. So can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? And then can you do this? And unfortunately, for a lot of people whose brain are, brains are slightly different, if you've got to the second or third thing, their brain's going, what was the first thing again? So, so you don't want me to do the first thing. You want me to do the second thing. Which one do you want me to do first? Can I write these down? <laughs> uh, <laughs> when in fact, actually... It, it's just a lot easier for everyone if the tasks are given one at a time. And whilst 
the person giving the tasks might think, oh, that's a real pain because the person's got to come back to me and then I tell them the next task. I'm like, yeah, that's inconvenient for you, but it's your gift to that person who can only deal with one task at a time. And why wouldn't you give them that gift? So that, that's another big one. My husband's the same as well. I have to give him one task at a time, otherwise it has a bit of a meltdown and, and sort of nothing happens. So uh, I've, I've learned that literally right there in front of me. <laughs> First person. Uh, and lastly, the, the other thing is, is this whole everybody learns the same way. So in terms of school, you have, say, 30 students, give or take, one teacher and the teacher often only has time to deliver the curriculum in one way because they've got to get through all this stuff in this lesson and I absolutely appreciate the challenges for teachers totally I don't blame them for not being able to adapt to all the different learning styles in the classroom it's it's a problem at the at the point where they decide how the curriculum will be taught because that's where it should be defined that you would teach something in three ways. So here's the theory. Can you relay it back to me? And now, you know, let's apply it live to something. Let's bring it to life. So you've got your audio, your kinesthetic and, and your visual. And, and everybody has an opportunity to learn that thing. So and, and that, that goes for at home as well. Show, showing children how to do tasks rather than just telling them. Show them and then supervise them having a go. So that's far more likely to have a success rate. But again, because people aren't very patient, that's what, you've never got to do it three times. Like, well, yeah, if you want success, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you do. <laughs> and if you love them, why wouldn't you? <laughs> you, you help uh, autistic folks to better communicate with their, with their coworkers. And in that area, you've developed a rules of engagement course for IT teams seeking to integrate autistic employees into their teams to increase productivity and leverage their talents. What are some of the key points you make to these IT teams in talking with them? Mm, great. Thanks for asking me about this one. It's, it's a real passion project of mine. Having worked in the IT industry, I... I lived the experience of these missing component parts and the missing component parts includes right from the very beginning writing a job advert or a job description or both that is less jargon filled more honest about what they're actually looking for um, and to appreciate that if you put a job out advert out there and it says minimum two years experience most people who are autistic, if they have got one day short of two years experience, they won't apply because they don't have two full years experience. So they don't meet the criteria. Uh, and, and that's also often the case for women. They, they, will, they, will, they will say, I, I don't qualify for that, so I won't apply. And then when you get autistic women, you know, they definitely won't apply. <laughs> Um, and then it also goes right into how how you interview people, because the old interview model really doesn't work anymore. And once somebody has eventually passed an interview and they're now joining a team, very few teams have an induction process that is human. It's often technical. So here's your login. 
here are the computer-based training courses that you're required to do. Um, these are the four people in your team. I'll tell you their names just the once. Hope you're listening. Uh, I'll tell you how they might like their tea or coffee, and that's about the limit of what I'll tell you about them. You've just got to try and figure everything out yourself. Good luck. And, and I'm like, uh, why wouldn't you tell me how Fred likes to communicate? Does Fred love emails because he'll get to the task when he's ready? Or does he prefer it if you actually say, hey, Fred, can I have a chat with you in five minutes? Or is he the kind of person who wants to have a five-minute meeting with you in the morning and a five-minute meeting with you after lunch to catch up on things so it's very organised? Is that person someone who needs time away from the open plan office to complete tasks? So they might need to put headphones on to block out the rest of the world because whoever decided open plan offices was a good idea needs to shoot it. <laughs> And I'm a pacifist. <laughs> and, uh, and, and understanding the rules of engagement in the team means that everybody has a much better chance of getting on, reducing backstabbing and backbiting and sort of the, the playground stuff that comes into the office dynamic. Uh, it's a lot easier for the leader to communicate with their team and for the team to communicate with the leader because they can become more approachable. And any accommodations that are needed across the team, they don't have to be made just because someone's declared they're autistic. They can be made because someone's circadian rhythm is later in the day. They may be neurotypical. It doesn't matter about that. And, and its purpose is not to out people who are perhaps autistic or have ADHD and might not know it. The purpose is to inform, so there's a lot of information about neurodiversity, so that you can just support people when you see certain things. Not go, hey, I think you're autistic. You know, no, <laughs> no, just keep that to yourself. And if you see something you can help someone with, let's do that instead. <laughs> instead of sticking labels on people. So that, that's the, the purpose of it, really. Uh, you know, I think the stereotype with IT is, you know, is men are more, you know, men in those roles. But what what's kind of your, how do you see the experience of autistic women in the IT world? So stereotypically, I have seen a, a lot of very um, masculine or butch looking women I hope those terms aren't offensive to anybody. Um, certainly they were used widely when I worked in IT. Uh, and the assumption was that uh, there, there definitely weren't very many uh, feminine women or normal women working in IT. Uh, we're talking 15 years ago or so now. Now, I know this is changing quite dramatically, and I love it. I love it. STEM subjects are becoming more popular in school. People are being more inspired. And it, it will keep on changing for the better without a shadow of a doubt. And there'll be more tech companies run by women as we go along, just more and more. Um, but certainly in, in IT, I noticed that it was very difficult for me to participate in the sort of old boys network kind of thing. It was like a, a political game that I 
for a start, didn't really know how to play, but I didn't stand a chance because I was a girl. <laughs> so there was a lot of, of that going on still. And I, I noticed that other women who were, were like me, but perhaps weren't aware like I was, uh, they were struggling and they were quite often bullied by other members of staff. And then I, I would inevitably be helping them like at lunchtime or something, talking to them about how to try and manage upwards and try and handle it. Uh, because, it, again, uh, my experience of working in all sorts of different organisations, and it, it, it's pretty much the same everywhere, is it's really, really hard for anyone to take you seriously when you say you're being bullied. It's very rarely dealt with. If it's found to be true, that person, I, I've never seen that person be disciplined at all. That bully has always been moved, either up or sideways. What kind of example does that set for people? It's just mad. Uh, and, and quite often the bully's a woman. And uh, that might be because they have discovered that you have to be really, really, really tough and a... And a I don't know, I try to describe it without being rude. Um, someone who doesn't stand any nonsense and, uh, um, you know, people would call them bad names behind them, their back because that's what people do when women are really tough. Um, and, and they'd become embittered and they'd become fearful and insecure about maintaining their position. So it's amazing dynamics. I love people watching and I love seeing what's going on and learning stuff all the time and I think yeah there's a lot of challenges for, for women in IT. Now I'm often reading uh, research uh, relating to communication and there's been some you know growing research that um, su suggests that autistics tend to communicate better with other autistics as compared to non-autistics. How do you look at this based on your experiences? There are still sometimes some miscommunications because we not only do we have a neuro difference, but we also have a personality. We have a background. We might have a different culture, a different language. So there's it's like like an onion, you know. We've got all these different layers that make up us as an individual. So there's other reasons why there might be miscommunications or misunderstandings other than autism or neurodiversity. But in general, I feel like I don't have to mask so much because an autistic person, in my experience, again, trying to stay away from generalizations, usually accepts who's in front of them for who they are and doesn't make any extra demands on that person to be anything other than who they are. And, and that's that's lovely. <laughs> that's, that's quite relaxing because you can take your anxiety down a couple of notches and just relax and be you. Uh, and that's really lovely. And I, 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 I equate it with, so in my experience, we've had some people come over from Germany or from the Netherlands or even from Scandinavia. And they tend to be much more direct with their language. There's less fluff and flim flam around the edges and a lot of British people especially will go oh they're a bit you know blunt and direct and rude and and I'm like no they're great 
because they say what they mean and they mean what they say. And there's none of this flim flam you've got to make sense of. They get to the point. It's efficient. I love it. <laughs> so I, I'm surprised I didn't move to Germany or something like that because I could have surrounded myself with people who I like talking to. <laughs> Now, there, there's so many different factors that affect communication that people often don't think about. I think one of those certainly is sleep. And if we don't get a good night's uh, rest, uh, we're pretty much screwed the next day because, you know, it's going to affect every aspect of our, our lives. What do you wish people would know about the sleep patterns of some autistic folks and how it affects communication? That's a big question. I get it. Uh, okay, try and make it not so big. I think it, it's about education, uh, and and, and it, the expectation is that autistic people, particularly if you're working and you need to explain to your boss what's happened for you in terms of, of a disrupted night or no sleep and being able to function or even safely drive to work, it's it can be hard to advocate for yourself if you haven't done it before. Or you're not quite sure how so that would be a really great thing for managers to do is to help individuals in their team understand how to ask for what they need and be honest about what's going on because then you can have a frank and open conversation with someone and there's no kind of all oh, this person's really you know swinging the lead or whatever the phrase is it's it's more a conversation of you know we talked about how sometimes my sleep patterns or my circadian rhythms can, can go out of whack. It could be uh, hormonal, it could be menopausal, it could be um, just autism, it could be because uh, my ADHD's gone bonkers, it could be because I'm bipolar, I'm having a manic period. There's any number of reasons why somebody's sleep patterns could be completely squiffy. And just having that honest conversation with that person you need to explain it to, whether it's a teacher or a boss or whatever, Will, will help you in the future because you're setting that groundwork for, you know we had that conversation about me having trouble with sleep. Well, I didn't get any last night whatsoever. And whilst I'm fine for the next two or three hours, by about 11 a.m., I'm going to be like narcoleptic. <laughs> I'm just going to fall asleep with my head on the desk. So there's no point me even trying to come in for a full day and it wouldn't be safe for me to drive. So can I work from home, do as much as I can, sleep a bit, take some naps, um, and, I, and I'll do a full hour's, you know, full day's work, but it might be, you know, carved up a bit. And having that conversation with somebody will hopefully allow managers to think, okay, this person isn't taking the mic, this person is being honest with me, and they're not trying to work less for the money or anything, or have a day off, a duvet day or something. They just have a challenge, and it's within my power to work with them. So that's what that's what I'd hope managers or leaders could do for their staff. And again, I don't think it's just people who are neurodiverse who have these problems, especially with the year that we've had and the, the fact that we've been in Groundhog Day. A lot of people have been on um, furlough or they've had strange working environment at home. Some people have stayed in their pyjamas the whole time because it's comfy, but that means you've got no delineation of your day. You're, you're constantly kind of in, I'm sort of in bed mode or getting ready for bed mode. 
so it can be hard for your brain to understand that you know that's for sleep that's for work that's for pleasure now it's bedtime again and that's sleep hygiene so it turned out to be a bit of a long answer after all but it's about having honest conversations now i recently uh, heard you talk about something that i thought was really interesting uh which is that you think you, you think you're a uh, walking contradiction why do you why do you feel that way and how do you manage these contradictions to get the most enjoyment out of your life yes so what i mean by walking contradiction is i i'm not always going to respond in the same way in a given situation and and that can be confusing when you're trying to explain to someone things that you find difficult <laughs> because they might see you doing something and go well, hang on a minute, I saw you do that and you seem to be fine with it. And I was like, well, I was that day because I had had a good night's sleep. I was on my A game. I knew it was coming. I was prepared for it. And I was also amongst people I trust. So actually doing that thing in that moment wasn't super stressful. It was something I could do. But if you change some of those parameters, it becomes almost impossible to do the same task, even though really nothing's changed. It's just the bits on the outside that have changed. And I also, let's give, let's take a concert. That's a really good example. So I like really loud music, right? Like Muse, for example, right? Prog rock, Muse, turn it up to 11 and I'm happy. Burst my eardrums probably, but it just brings me so much joy. And I go to Muse concerts with my husband. And, <laughs> I, I, you know, I hate all the crowds. I'd love to be in there all on my own. And <laughs> um, so I'll put up with a lot in order to get to the thing that I want. And also, um, I shouldn't love loud noises because I hate fireworks. I hate balloons popping. I don't like it when people talk too loud or the TV's up too loud. I don't like it when there's um, repetitive noises like clicky pens or if there's a car idling outside. So some noises make me want to just rip my insides out. And then, yeah, I want to go and listen to incredibly loud music by choice <laughs> for 90 minutes. It's <laughs> definitely a contradiction in there. <laughs> <laughs> but it can be confusing for the people. And certainly, because I have pathological demand avoidance and ADHD with Asperger's, a lot of those traits often cancel each other out in terms of what a psychiatrist or professional would would be expecting to see if they're looking at their tick list. So someone like me is quite hard to diagnose because I'm not, you know, uh, I'm not a square, you know, I don't fit into that template. Now, if people wanted to learn more about you after this great interview. Clearly, I'm biased, but... <laughs> uh, how, uh, or would, or interested in maybe using your services, how would they go about it and get in, con in contact with you? Well, uh, there's a couple of ways. I'll, I'll just give you two, so it's not too much to, to take in. So the first one is just to visit my website because there's a lot of bits and bobs on there you can have a look at. So I do put quite a lot on there. And that's... Um, www.get-your-message-your-message.com 
getyourmessageacross.com. I know, that's a lot of hyphens in there. It's get your message across with hyphens in between. So hopefully that's fairly easy to, to, to write down. Um, and, and as I say, there's, there's a fair amount of stuff on there. But certainly my LinkedIn profile, I post a video every day that people might find useful in some way. So up to about number 65 or something now since the 1st of January. And it's going to go for the full year. <laughs> At some point I might run out of things to say, but I doubt it. And <laughs> obviously that's a good resource. So if you looked up uh, www.linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash Sam Warner forward slash you'd go straight to my profile and you can look at my activity to find all of those posts. Well, Sam, I, I really enjoyed our first conversation on Clubhouse. And, and once again, um, it was great talking with you. So, you know, thanks so much for, for your time and uh, joining me today. Oh, thanks very much for asking me, Doug. I've loved chatting with you again. Thanks to everyone for listening. And thanks so much to Sam for the conversation. In the podcast description of this episode, you can find information to learn more about what Sam does. You can also find a link to book a free call to learn how Autism Personal Coach helps the people we coach to reduce their daily overwhelm and get the things they need and want in their lives. So book a call with me today. If you'd like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We'd also appreciate it if you could give us a positive rating and review as this will help others to learn about Autism Stories. On next week's episode of Autism Stories, we will have a conversation with Kieran Rose. Talk to you then.